Welcome to the MGO Fish Podcast. I'm David Arnold, your host. With me, becoming a regular here, Stephen. Stephen Oskintoski. Yeah, so. Stephen Oskintoski from uh, Chicago, Illinois, or the area at least. Yes. Uh, film analyst, college football hype man, all around All American for MGOFish.com. Garrett, again, not with us. He's just too cool. Head of the website. So, so for today, it's me and Steven again. Steven, find you on Twitter at... Uh, Steven Toski. Steven Toski. Find me on Twitter at David Arnold MI. Of course, you can follow Garrett and the website at MGOFish. Uh, Steven, we got a lot to talk about. But first, got a question for you. Okay. Right off the bat, let's get it. Soccer man. Are you a soccer Ooh. guy at all? Yes or no? I want to become one. I grew up playing soccer, then I started playing football, American football. We should call it football, right? I guess we should if we're traditional no, soccer no. fans. No, no, if, if you're a fan <laughs> of the University of Michigan, you got you to use the correct grammar. We'll call it American football, right? There you give, go. Give respect to soccer. Yes, but, yes. Although I still call soccer soccer. So. Uh, yeah, exactly. But no, so I, I just got YouTube TV, uh, was flipping through the channels today, and surprised at how many how many good sports channels there are that include some soccer games. So I'm, I'm looking to get interested in it. I, uh, the most recent sport I got interested in was formula one. So I'm trying to, uh, trying to balance. Yeah. Trying to balance a new, the new wave kind of there. I feel like soccer is a cool one to follow. Formula one's really fun, but, uh, but yeah, I'm trying to get into it. I know you, uh, you've, you've gotten into it in the past couple of years. I definitely a big soccer guy. I wish I could have been there to see Barcelona and Napoli. Uh, on they Saturday. crushed them. Yeah, they the, crushed them. Well, pre preseason soccer is a whole different beast. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, but you know, I'm a big Liverpool guy. So, so last summer it was like a dream come true. Got, got yeah. a selfie with Jurgen Klopp and Sadio yeah. Mane and a couple other guys, and and then they won the Champions League. So, yeah. in the process, get my ticket and my towel and my supporters band. I got boxed in like a little little frame thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was at the big house. It's got to tie in soccer a little bit. Uh, but that's today, pretty. You know, that's pretty great too. That the that the university hosts that. I don't know. Does any other university host a soccer game like that? So so Notre Dame hosted a Liverpool preseason match this year. Okay. Um, Liverpool. Well, they're just they're following the trend, right? Well, yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, and Liverpool is owned by uh, the same guys who own the Boston Red Sox. Gotcha. So, so they're trying to make Liverpool America's team. Right. Um, oh, it worked on you. <laughs> it definitely has worked on me. I gotta, I gotta say, no, no shame there. Uh, but, oh yeah, it's super awesome that the Michigan Stadium hosts so yeah. many soccer games. I mean, what yeah. what a unique thing if you live in the area to see international soccer. You know, the best players, Ronaldo yeah. and Eden Hazard were here a few years ago as well. Um, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, just such a thing that separates University of Michigan makes it unique and awesome. Uh, For sure. Other things that make University of Michigan unique and awesome, the football team, the football program. That was smooth. Yep. That was smooth. That's it's right. your, man, always blown away. I know. By I your know. transitions. I'm trying. A little practice here, a little <laughs> practice there. Uh, Got to get ready for my political career here in a few years. Yes, team. yes. That's it. That's it. Uh, okay. We're going to play some fantasy pick em, uh spreadsheet pick them i don't know what you want to call it pick them uh with michigan football here uh specifically the offense i've got 11 questions that i'm gonna propose to you you might call them prop bets whatnot uh we're gonna talk about the offense through these questions 
Uh, also, we're going to post the questions in a Google Doc that people who are listening to the podcast can follow along, can click on the link um, that comes along with the show when we post it on Twitter. Uh, you guys can play along, and at the end of the year, we'll count up the points, count up the tallies, who gets the most questions right uh, on on season predictions here with the offense. Uh, and then I guess we'll do something fun for them, Steven. Yeah, I feel like at least a shout-out, maybe even like five minutes on the podcast to uh, to just brag. Five, just like, five yeah. minutes on the podcast, you can get a free T-shirt. Ooh. Um, you know, we don't have any MGO Fish merch, but they can pick something from my closet back here. Steve, I don't know. <laughs> you got plenty plenty to give away, huh? I've got, I've got plenty of Michigan <laughs> stuff to give away, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll figure something out. Yeah. yeah. Regardless, we're going to have fun. I think it's a fun little way to to keep things interesting and keep people accountable for their preseason predictions. Because one Fair. thing that really bothers me, Stephen, I think, it is Michigan specifically, you know, we were not voted the most annoying fan base on Twitter recently yeah. in Darren Ovell's poll or whatnot. But yep. it's only because Michigan has the most fans and therefore is able to vote for other bases, <laughs> which is exactly why Ohio State you know, won the poll. Right, uh, right. At least that's my opinion. But one of the, one of the big things about, about being a sports fan for, you know, for a big school, big team like Michigan, big fan base, I think groupthink starts to settle in. Mm-hmm. You start to follow the tropes, um, start to let things get carried away, you know, taglines, you know, Jim Harbaugh's not a good coach because he can't beat Ohio State, even though he's got the you know, fifth most wins you know, yeah. in college football since he's been at Michigan. Right. Um, or maybe even be third or fourth. Um, you, you know, there, there are tropes that go along with, with being a sports fan, and then there's reality and the facts. And I like mm-hmm. it when we can kind of keep people accountable for, for their predictions, the preseason, you know, let them write it out. So we're going to make some predictions. We're going to put it down. We're going to put our, our fake money that we definitely do not have. I'm going <laughs> about you. Uh, yeah, let's, the... yeah, we'll just get their stamps in. You know, if they enter their email address on the, uh, on the form here, then, you know, we can pull Twitter. And if anyone's out of line, right, we can just right. bring up the poll and say, like, hey, you were wrong here. That's you right, know, bring, that's right. bring them back down to earth a little bit. We're going we're gonna to check those receipts. <laughs> That, that's me, what this me included. So if I get ridiculous here, oh, you'll have oh. some fodder to you know to bring up during the season. If there's anyone with worse <laughs> hot takes, it would be myself. Hopefully good, <laughs> hopefully good natured. But man, sure. Um, the second year of Stanford, of um, David Shaw being at Stanford, I tweeted out um, something along the lines of, "Oh, it was like 2015." I said, yeah. I said. David Shaw is basically a rich man's Brady Hoke. Ooh, that's and, rough. And I got tore apart. It was after they lost to Northwestern, I think, in season opener a few years ago. Yeah. And, and I was I was sure, I was convinced that Stanford was not going to be any good. Uh, I'm pretty sure they ended up in the Rose Bowl that year. And definitely one of my worst, you know, hot takes of all time. I think my worst is, I, I think, was it last year or the year? No, it had to be last year. I think I still was on the Brandon Peters train even with McCaffrey and Shea Patterson. So I think I called myself out for that one because I was like, oof. Okay, well, I mean, that's to be determined still because I do think Brandon Peters is going to be a competently good quarterback in the big Yeah, but I called out that he would start. (laughs) So it's like, oof, I don't don't know about that. 
obviously was wrong. So, so yeah, this will give you more opportunity to, uh, <laughs> to call me out. For sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started here, Steven. Let's do it. Question number one, for those who can play along at home, you can pause the podcast right now, look up the Google document. We'll have it there for you. Question number one in the Michigan Football Fantasy Pick'em 2019 for the offense. Shea Patterson, this year, will he, under Josh Gaddis, have over or under 350 yards rushing for the 2019 football season? Let's preface this. In 2018, he had 273 yards on 76 carries. Mm -hmm. And I've got one more stat for you. Sure. 2018, Tua and Jalen Hurts in the Alabama offense, of which Josh Gass was a part of, Yes. They rushed for a combined total of 357 yards on 103 carries. Interesting. So, okay. So there's there's the potential for Shade to get just as many rushing yards. And also, working back farther, Trace McSorley, in the two years that Gaddis was there and Trace McSorley were there, he rushed for 491 yards and 365 yards in his two years. Yeah, Ooh, this is tough. So I started before you were spitting off those other stats. I was at fewer, but then the more and more I think about it, I think I think it's got to be more than 350 because what I initially was thinking, he has a lot of targets. The offense is RPO-based, so a lot of the read options we saw last year, right, where Shea Patterson picked up a majority of those yards were on just straight-up read options. Which he's those, great at, by the way. I mean, he's, oh yeah. he's fantastic. Yeah, and you'd be silly not to do those as much, but I think it's going to revolve more around uh, RPOs in general, which take away kind of that running aspect. Of course, you know, if he pulls the ball from the running back and then he has no throwing option, he can still boot, and there are plays designed for that. Regardless... I think the RPO offense will be either a handoff or a quick throw. It doesn't lend itself to running as much. And even so, I guess Michigan didn't run with Patterson all too much. But they're going to be on the field more because they're not going to have as many three and outs. It's going to be a more dynamic offense. So I think the percentage of plays where Shea Patterson is running or called running the ball will be lower in 2019, but the number of offensive snaps and the sheer number of longer drives will provide more opportunities. So the offensive output will be so much larger that despite a lower percentage of Shea Patterson runs, I think he'll still get a larger, uh, larger share than 350 rushing yards. I, you know, I think 350 is the right number because you know, of the fact that Tua and Jalen had approximately exactly 357 yards. Yeah. And then Trace McSorley passed 350 yards in both his years with the Gaddis mm-hmm. system. Um, another thing, you nailed it on the head when you said Shea Patterson might end up getting more carries and a higher workload yeah. just, just by pure number of plays run, ran. Exactly. Tua and Jalen, you know, in the year that Josh Gaddis was there, had 103 carries. Compared, mm-hmm. compared to Shea having 76 carries last year. Right. Um, Trace McSorley, in in the two years he was there and Gaddis was there, obviously Gaddis was not calling the plays. But, but right. this is the offensive system that Gaddis learned You know, in the six years he was with James Franklin at Vanderbilt and Penn State. Mm-hmm. Trace McSorley had 144 rushes in 2017 and 146 rushes 
in 2016. Wow. And that's, that's double what Shea had last year. Yeah. You know, so, so in my mind, I, I see the potential there. Yeah. I'm going to go with more than myself. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a, an elite rollout passer and that just lends itself more to, uh, just more to scramble situations and more plays you can call for that. Like he might even, this might be silly, but he, he thrives almost more in a rollout situation than a drop back situation when he, yeah. His accuracy definitely seems to be more pinpoint when he's on the roll. Yeah. Um, that's one thing that really calmed my nerves more than anything last, last year was I don't think I've ever seen anyone on the, you know, five to 15 yard throws be yeah. as accurate as Shea Patterson. Just put it yeah. on the numbers. You know, after, after years of having Chad Henney, you know, Chad mm-hmm. Henney had the best arm in college football, but my gosh, any swing route, you know, anything, he would just, he would overthrow, underthrow. He just could not really be as accurate as you would ideally want him on the short to mid range game. Yeah. Um, that was one thing that made Wilton pretty decent was his accuracy, but Shea, I think is on a whole nother level when it comes to those short to mid range passing um, yeah, the mi- mobility aspect with that too, because yeah. you feel so comfortable with him rolling out that he's a going to make a good decision. B, he's relatively accurate on those rollouts more so than most uh, quarterbacks. And C, if he doesn't find anything, he's got some decent wheels. Not McCaffrey wheels, I wouldn't say, but I mean, plenty to pick up first downs. He picked up many crucial uh, first down scrambles uh, on rollout plays last year. Undoubtedly, yeah. Um... He does not have Dylan McCaffrey's wheels. <laughs> um, ah, Dylan's such a tease for for that fact. I just want to bulk up, man. I, I feel like he should get to like two thirty or something I with know. that height. I, I really just wish him and Shay's paths at Michigan didn't cross, like yeah. one fewer year, one fewer right. year. If we, if we could get Dylan starting as a as a sophomore instead of a junior, that'd be ideal. But I I'd rather start Shay over Dylan. Yeah. Um, but man, just so much potential eking out yeah. of him, oozing out of him. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the running backs here, Stephen. Yes. In 2019, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit before on the show. Mm-hmm. Who will have the most rushing touchdowns for the Michigan football program in 2019? Before, I've propped it with it being either Ben Mason or Zach Charbonnet. So mm-hmm. I thought they were the dark horse candidates to be like the number two or three leading rusher. But who's going to have the most rushing touchdowns for Michigan? Is it going to be true? Is it going to be Christian Turner, Charbonnet, Ben Mason, Shea Patterson, or other? Someone else. If someone else shows up, that'll be crazy. Because that's like, <laughs> that's it. That's the depth chart. Eric Hall, um, baby. But, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> rushing touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. From, from the, uh, who was Chris, from the Chris Cooley position of, of, fullback tight end i know i'm just playing yeah i obviously um but no i think skinny as him. <laughs> yeah. i think ooh, it's got to be charbonnet for me charbonnet and i think that was my answer last time i think we framed it with rushing yards still think wilson has a shot to have the most rushing yards because i think what i said a couple podcasts ago true wilson will be the guy starting off before Charbonnet gets, gets a hold of the playbook. So I think Wilson will have the most yards still. Uh, Turner will have some touches. There's just not enough touches to go go around between Wilson, Turner, and Charbonnet. But Charbonnet is just everything you need, either on the goal line, 
and the home run threat that I don't think Wilson quite has. So I'm going to go with the uh, true freshman, Charbonnet. It's really a matter of, do you think Charbonnet is going to have enough long-running touchdowns, which he is capable of, and also and also enough touches within the five-yard line as compared to Ben Mason? Yeah, Fair. I, th- I think that's that's really what it comes down to. Um, think of, you know, Khalid Hill. Yeah. Um, a couple years ago, the Hammer Panda. Mm-hmm. A big a big difference about that though is Ben Mason's no longer listed as a fullback, and he put on like, n- like fifty pound not fifty pounds but like thirty or something crazy pounds as a defensive tackle. So he's not listed as one. So, yeah, a good question is how much do you think they're actually going to run that, or how many, I guess different formations and sets will allow for a Ben Mason. Well, let me tell you what, how big is Ben Mason now? Okay. I I vastly, I vastly over, (laughs) overestimated that he's up 16 pounds from 2018. He's up to 270, which is big. Okay. So so the rumors were not quite, okay. Still though, I agree with you. If, if you're not, you, okay. I don't know if I agree. I don't know if you agree with this, but if you're not utilizing (laughs) 270 pound Ben Mason up the middle, (laughs) You know, I don't care. I don't care. You know what you're doing, you know, what spread offense you're you're <laughs> utilizing. If you don't give the ball to him on the two yard line, I mean, it, Harbaugh's gonna gonna blow a gasket, man. Fair, fair. But like, I don't know how much creativity there will be in those sets, right? So I feel like instead of like you know at the five yard line, there's plenty of things you could that you could do in 2018 with a five yard to go fullback. And that's something that they did a lot of 2019, man, you're at the five yard line. I don't think they have the creativity because there's a lot of things you can do. You can pass, you can run. I don't think they have as many sets uh, with a fullback in those scenarios. So you need to be on the two or one yard line for those touchdowns. I think, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Okay. I I get, I get that Josh Gaddis is going to have a whole different playbook with, with different formations, but I'll be damned if they do not still practice, at least practice and have it in their repertoire some Jim Harbaugh, you know, line up three deep, you know, back, back, back yeah, yeah, on the yeah. two-yard line and just, just hammer it home. I want to see it. I do. Don't take this well, for me. Okay, also, also, <laughs> Ben Mason as a lead fullback, you know, oh. for, for you know, any of them, any of them is going to help a lot. Yes, we need to give him the nickname of Mini Fridge. Remember who was that Jets running back in the NFL who was like a 300-pound defensive tackle. Are you talking about William Perry? Like the Clemson the Clemson defensive tackle? Who, oh, who I know he did ball? that too. Yeah. No, this is like back in like the 80s, I think. Like oh. literally the, the refrigerator. That was his nickname. You're, you're, because... th- you're thinking of, of William Perry. The fridge, oh, I am. The Bears think, defensive yeah, yeah, tackle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sorry. Yes, my yes, no, it's all, right. it's, it's all good, man. That that dates me. That makes me a, a, a young lad. I don't, I don't even know. I guess, even guess, what, guess what, Steven? <laughs> Not knowing something from the 80s does not make you young anymore. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to give myself a cop out here, man. Come on. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, I'm going to look bad. You gotta, I'm, you I'm, gotta just, look I'm bad just saying. I, I, I wasn't even born until the 90s, and I'm not young. No, That's fair. I'm, I'm uh, 28 and, and not, not. Damn. Okay. You know, right. so, so not knowing something from the 1980s is okay. You're, you're giving a pass. That's fair. But yeah, pass. let's we gotta give him the nickname Mini Fridge. Mini Fridge. The first touchdown. That's <sighs> that's what we gotta do. Uh, Har- he's a defensive tackle now. I need I need, I need I need Harbaugh to bless him with a quote. <laughs> you know, some kind of uh, wasn't he called a sledgehammer on like his first practice 
Yeah, I think you're right. There can be room for multiple nicknames, man. We just got to get one started. We'll have to workshop it, yeah. Yeah. I think he needs one by the end of this year for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he can be dynamic. Wait, is he a sophomore or a junior? He was in the class of 2017. So, yeah, true sophomore. Oh, my gosh. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, He might be redshirt sophomore or true junior. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Class of 2017. So, I think he played as a freshman. So, he might be a true junior. Yeah, I think he is a true junior. Okay. Okay. That's all right. I just, if we had three more years of him, that'd be. I know. Okay. So uh, is that is that your answer though? You really think it's going to be Ben Mason? Do you think or do you want, or both? <laughs> I okay. I think the safe money is on Ben Mason. I think wow. the safe money is on Ben Mason because he's such a proven. If if you were betting on this question, I think yeah. you'd have to put the money on Ben Mason because there's too high, too likely, too highly of a chance. Well, yeah. I figure that out, that. Either True Wilson, Christian Turner, or Charbonnet could establish themselves as the number one person. Because you just don't know when you're going to have a five-star and a three-star come, you know, head-to-head in a in a running back battle and have um, Chris Perry, not Chris Perry, um, Mike Hart <laughs> end up the starting running back. You know, I mean, I mean, Mike Hart had to go up against five-star running backs, and he yeah. ended up the starting running back. You know, as a true freshman. You just don't know who's going to end up being that guy. But you know, what you're, you know what you're getting with Ben Mason, right? Yeah. I mean, okay. sl- sleeper pick Shea Patterson in that RPO. Ooh. You know, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe. Um, just depends on how many short yardage touchdowns. But I'd put my money on Ben Mason. Okay. So who? Right. who, who we, are you going we, with? we might have to. I went with uh, Charbonnet. Okay. We're gonna have to put real money on this one because I think I think you're wrong here. Okay. But, uh, we can do that. We can do that. <laughs> we'll get there. Insert advertisement for uh, <laughs> for selected preference. There you preference go. Preference to money app. Okay, next question. Who will have the most yards per catch during the 2019 season? Let me preference this by saying with a minimum of 10 catches mm-hmm. or more. Because Ronnie Bell led the team last year with 18.1 yards per catch, but he only had eight catches on the whole yeah. season. Um Tariq Black also only had 8.8 yards per catch, but he only had also six catches for the year. Um, Mm -hmm. So of the candidates we have, we have Donovan Peoples-Jones, who averaged 13 yards per catch in 2018. Tariq Black, 8.8 yards per catch. Nico Collins, somewhat surprisingly, had 16.6 yards per catch, so more than Donovan Peoples-Jones. Ronnie Bell at 18.1 yards per catch, but a lot of that came in backup time against backup mm-hmm. Nebraska defenses who were terrible. <laughs> uh, sleepers, we got Mike Saren still, you know, the, the freshman. And then we got yep. Sean McKeon. Uh, then we got other. You could say Giles Jackson, I guess, if you want, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. Who are you taking to have the most yards per catch in the 2019 season? Oh, man. This is one that scared me when I was reading it because I see three options here. So I'm going to go over him really quick. DPJ, I think, is probably the safest. He's okay. a guy who's fast. The home run threat, right? The ultimate yeah, home run threat. he's fast. He's got the size. He's your all-around. He's, to me, what like an all-around guy who can do it all. He can do everything. He's going to get a lot of yards after catch or passes downfield against Michigan State and do a, uh, a Paul Bunyan bo- pose in the end zone. 
Um, but then I look at Nico Collins, and he's also a guy for, like, jump balls. Like, I don't know. He's a guy who has similar skill set to DPJ, except not quite as fast, just taller. So I don't know. Like, his hands are some of the best, according to Pro Football uh, Focus. So, uh, some of the best or the best of all time, according <laughs> to Pro Football. I mean, I mean, you can't get much better than a 0.0 drop rate yeah. with a minimum of uh, 50 pass attempts, right? Yeah. And then... Um, so those are like the two main options. Wait, and wait, wait one second. Can I say that again? A 0.0 <laughs> and like, like the second leading receiver with, with like pass drop average with a minimum of 50 balls thrown to them. or was like 30 or 50 balls thrown. Yeah. To them. Um, I, I want to see like a, a chart of like each data point being every single power five wide receiver well, and their the, drop rates. The and number, he's just an outlier. The number two was like, was like a 1.5 or like a two. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like a 0.1. Yeah, no. It, it was just. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Zero point zero. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So, so yeah, having like a sure Collins like that—that's a big one. We're hearing a lot of things about Ronnie Bell, so I don't even think that's a bad choice. But my main hang-up is, like, with a Mike Saint Ristol or a Giles Jackson, like those guys. Does their skill set being a little slot jitterbug? Does that lend itself better to the offense than all these three outside guys? Because we, we haven't really heard a whole lot about DPJ. You know, he had the injury in the spring. Tariq Black's coming back from injury, so it's hard to see where he'll slot in. Nico Collins, of course, I don't think anything bad is being said about them. They're established guys. But we've heard a lot more about Ronnie Bell, a lot more about St. Ristol, more about Giles Jackson. So it's kind of like trying to filter through the weeds here. Are they just being brought up because they're new and they're, like, really excelling and we already know enough? Or, I don't know, this is a long-winded way of saying that i have no idea man <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna go with giles jackson it's oh. a, it's it's way out there i he is just his testing numbers are insane he's got i think he slots in right away at a position of need that all the other guys outside of singer still are competing for dpj black collins bell they're all i don't know i just see I just see the yards per catch for a guy with the testing numbers of, of Giles Jackson yeah. and it's a posi- position you can ramp up quick. Well, so, so, so yeah. sim- similar to yards after catch yak where, where that really shows a player's explosive explosiveness and elusiveness mm-hmm. yeah, yards per catch really factors in, you know, you know, the, the routes, what kind of routes are you getting? How deep are the balls you're getting thrown, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's why I was most surprised to see Nico Collins with such a high yards per catch. Yeah, you know, sixteen point six compared to Peoples Jones, because it's not so much that Nico Collins has the explosive ability. Yeah. In fact, it might be the opposite that Donovan Peoples Jones, because of his explosive ability, is going to get more short yardage passes thrown to him. Right. You know, you know, more slant, try try and break him. You know, more screens. S- same with Ronnie Bell or Saren Still or Giles Jackson, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Where Nico Collins, you're going to have the more traditional. You know, we're going to have him run a post route and then see what happens, uh, right. you know, a corner to the end zone. Um, I yeah. guess I'm going to have to go with Nico Collins just because it seems like if he did it last year, I was really surprised with, with his high of 16.6 yards per catch. Uh, that, that's Those are some pretty good numbers. Although one thing that's interesting, looking this mm-hmm. up, Stephen, is that Shea spread the ball around beautifully last year yeah yep and i don't think it was a product of the offense because frankly i think a lot of the play calls were point blank terrible um 
but that's not a problem anymore this mm-hmm. year. So Shea is going to keep on spreading the ball around. There were six, seven games last year where the leading receiver had three or four catches. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I don't think we'll see that this year. And it, it might be a thing where you're right with Nico Collins. He might get, like, even with just kind of how the offense is set up, he might not get more than four or five catches per game. Yeah. But by nature of his routes, by nature of being the outside receiver, those are the catches that he'll make. That Those will be the plays. So you're right that the yards per catch would likely be higher for one of those guys. Well, I'll tell you, you know, for the money, probably who had the the lowest odds but the best you know return on investment would be Ronnie Bell, man. I think yeah. Ronnie Bell has the potential. He's just a baller. You know, he, he's just a gamer when he's out there. He, he looks the part. He looks the part athletically. He seems to find himself open when he's on the field. I... He's my breakout guy for the year. You know, he's the guy I think is going to have the breakout year. And if he does have a breakout year in this system, you know, if he gets loose, he could be gone in a second. Kind of like Giles Jackson. Yeah. Um, but where, where do you see him slotting in? Because I don't think he really fits into the slot back role. Or do you think he will be used in that? Because he, he wasn't, I mean, that role didn't really exist last year, but he still found a way to contribute. So I guess I don't see where he fits. I think he's the, he's the kind of athlete who they're going to find a spot from on the field if he keeps on producing because Fair, he, he's, yeah. he's moldable. You know, th- this isn't a guy who came and polished anything, but right. N- not mm-hmm. even ranked by the, the websites. Didn't do any camps. You know, he's going to play basketball. Mm-hmm. He's the type of guy I think can be molded into any spot. If there's an injury, you know, between DPJ, Tariq Black, Nico Collins, which let's face it, very possible. I think Ronnie Bell could slide into any of the positions there. Um, yeah, you know, and, and like, you, so so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, and you look at the kind of offense it is. I mean these these guys will be running fast, right? They'll be running real a lot of routes in a short amount of time. They'll have a lot less, um, I guess, a lot less time between the snaps overall. So whenever there are substitutions, there's going to be like I see just like waves of wide receivers, just like platoon style. Right. So you'll you'll have more opportunities when. DPJ and Tariq Black come out, Collins and Bell go in. So, so yeah, I get, I guess I do, I do see. Um, and, and he's been getting a ton of chatter all, well, cause, okay, all fall. Talk about trying to put the receivers in space to get them open and mm-hmm. to, to be able to do what they need to do if there's, you know, any kind of freestyle involved at all, you know, with scrambling and breaking free. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that Ronnie Bell has a knack for getting open and a knack for sliding through defenses and just finding the open area in space. Yeah. Um, I think he has, yeah, he has a really good ability to, I don't know if it's just like reading defenders. It seems like it's instinctual. Like it's really instinctual. I mean, the Nebraska game, you can go and look back. He had two or three catches where it was just like, oh, he's just open. Like he's just Mm -hmm. open there. Like he's just beating players off, you know, off the snap and, and just getting to a spot. Yeah, I, I, I'm betting. I'm betting on him to have a big year. So that that'd be my my sneak. Yeah, and if Ronnie if Ronnie Bell is getting the most yards per catch, I think we're in a really good situation. Because <laughs> <laughs> with the skill set that everyone else has, if you know this Missouri basketball player who decided to play football is the guy who's like standing out and becoming better. We already know how good black Collins and people's Jones can be. Yeah. So to have someone who we didn't expect to contribute as highly, uh, as we're, as we're thinking here, if he does, uh, come through with that, I think it's, it's, it's really, really positive 
output for 2019 for everybody. That's right. That's right. I totally agree. All right, let's move on to the next question here. Um, the next few should move by pretty quickly. Which true sure. freshman is going to get the most touches on offense in 2019? Touches, receptions, plus carries, plus kick or punt returns, which don't expect any true freshman to be getting any returns, um, you know, with, with uh, Amber Thomas and Peoples-Jones there as, as studs. Yeah. Uh, so, so the options pretty much are, are Charbonnet, Giles Jackson, um, or Mike Saren still, or um, you know Eric All is not going to get the most touches, but he's yeah. on, he's on that list. So, so of those four, who's going to get the most touches on offense this year? Yep, I think it's you have to decide or you have to come up with when you think Charbonnet is going to play because either Jackson or Saint Ristol or maybe both they'll have a uh, a head start on Charbonnet, at least in my mind, and then Charbonnet is going to catch up, and then you have to make that determination. Will Charbonnet get the lion's share of carries in time that will usurp one of Jackson St. Ristol? I'm a Giles Jackson guy. I know St. Ristol's done a lot of things. I think uh, he was a benefit of an empty room. I still think it's great that he's showing out and showing a lot of good things. I don't think Giles Jackson is is going to be in the uh, Wait, in the back seat. Is it Giles forward. or is it Giles? I think it's Giles. Okay. I I said Giles for a long time, okay. and then uh, I do think I watched an interview or something, and it was it was Giles. I think I could be wrong. No, it's right. I, I'm I gonna rock with is. Giles. You rock with Giles, and one I of like us that. will be right. Yeah, exactly. We'll cover the bases. <laughs> That's right. But I think he's gonna average a lot of touches, and he's gonna be the guy on jet sweeps if we run any of those any sort of trick plays so i think you know if he can rack up six seven touches per game for the first three or four that's probably optimistic i don't think he'll get that many i gotta go jackson i think he's gonna be the jack of all trades i'll tell you what offense just just looking at this offense this year it just shocks me how deep the the offensive side of the ball is at every position this is year five of hardball here yeah and and it's showing. It's showing yeah. with the depth. You know, we've already talked about the offensive line before. The depth there, the confidence there, the depth of wide receivers, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just unbelievably deep. Uh, and then running back here, we've got a true freshman that's supposedly making a lot of noise. But you already know that True Wilson is just a solid choice. At the very yep. least, at the very worst, he's a completely average big time running back. Yeah, you know, completely average, which is not bad. You know, right. not, not a bad thing. Um, you know, there's Christian Turner might be finding himself a, a little bit underrated. We'll, we'll see what happens with him. Mm-hmm. But it's really a matter of you if you think these little slot scat back type guys like Giles Jackson are going to get more touches and just immediately more touches in this offense, or if the running back is going to see a, a big workload. I guess I'll go with Charbonnet just just by the nature of him being a running back, and if yep. he gets half of the snaps by halfway through the season, he'll probably naturally just easily top the other guys but Giles Jackson I mean that's a good bet man yeah good bet. yeah I think you could also throw DPJ in there as potential given all the kick return and well he hasn't done kick return as much but punt return uh you know if you're high on the defense and you're expecting a lot of punts DPJ could be the guy well, well I, I said true freshman Oh, true freshman. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can I, we go? Can we go back in time and just roll back DPJ's who, eligibility? Who do you think will get the most touches? <laughs> uh, yeah, please. Yes, please. 
on on the offense, who do you think will get the most touches if we are I, doing that? You know, yeah. could it be DPJ? Because that would make the most sense with the kick returns as well. You know, that's probably you know towards the end of last year he had seven catches against Ohio State, eight against Florida. You yep. know, including kick returns, it's probably. 13, 14, I mean, holy cow, how many touchdowns did Ohio State score last year? It was probably 20 touch, twenty touchdowns. We don't talk there. about that. We don't talk about that. <laughs> so, same with Florida. For but honestly, matter. I would probably keep the same, just about the same list. You just have, have to add a couple of uh, wide receivers. But if it's not Jackson or St. Ristol, it's going to be DPJ, just you're, by nature. You're really high on Charles Jackson. Dude, I'm huge on, on oh. him. He has, the, he has the running ability. He reminded me of uh, a lot of Chris Evans in terms of his uh he does a lot of really weird footwork that make it really hard for people to tackle him and then he's just fast man his change of direction is just insane i think he needed a lot of coaching uh for routes so if, um, if he has any balance whatsoever with his with his you know spark scores <laughs> i mean that is that is pretty dude, scary it, I, i'm yeah I'm, I'm a big fan I, he's definitely the guy I'm, I'm biggest on in terms of uh like maybe guys who aren't being talked enough about, but, but no, it, so yeah, it's either DPJ or Jackson. If you're, if you're considering everybody, I do think Charbonnet is a good, a good answer as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Uh, next question here. And th- this can be a one-off. We can do this very quickly. Who will mm-hmm. establish themselves as the second best tight end on Michigan's roster by the end of the 2019 season? I want you to go first on this one. I'm, I'm going to determine this by <laughs> by the most snaps played of the group. You know, okay. After this is assuming that Sean McKean is healthy and plays the most snaps. And of the options, we have Nick Eubanks, Eric All, Mustafa Muhammad, and Luke uh, Schoonmaker? 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 Schoonmaker. Schoonmaker. maker. Yeah, you've got some we options got him. there. We got yeah. him with one of those. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <clears throat> um so it's interesting to me because traditionally, you know, in the Harbaugh offense before Gaddis got here, <clears throat> you had guys like Ian Bunting who kind of were consistently the backup guys. McKeon really was like a 1B starter for the last yep. two years. Yep. You, you know, you had Gentry kind of playing the wide receiver role, and McKeon ended up being a blocking guy <clears throat> towards the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Eubanks pretty nicely fills in that role that – Gentry had last year. Eubanks has has flashed some serious receiving potential. You know, supposedly he's bulked up, but he's a guy who can catch the ball and can run the ball, run with the ball. Um, He's a playmaker. And they've got Mustafa Muhammad, who's who came in very highly recruited. Yeah. um, Kind of been off the radar, but he was redshirted last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Shoemaker. I, you know, he, he's kind of just been buried on the depth chart. Who knows? Um, and then Eric All, true freshman, he, very good chance he gets redshirted anyways yep. or, or just gets straight up moved, up, moved to wide receiver at some point. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so of those guys, I guess I would take Eubanks, but really, it's really a matter of do you think the backup tight end is going to be blocking more or, or playing receiver more um, that, that he's going to see the most action? Because it could be either Muhammad or Shoemaker – you know, in as like blocking tight ends. Yeah, I would go Nicky Banks. You know, he seems like the most obvious guy to me. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think Eubanks is established. I think you're right. He uh, flashes a lot of potential as a catcher. We haven't seen as much from Mustafa Muhammad. 
I'm actually going to choose Muhammad though, because he bulked up 16 pounds. He's up to 261 now. So if definitely need... blocking size at this point. Yeah, right? exactly. So I think you know he has the pedigree. He was highly ranked recruit coming in. Despite not seeing a lot of them, I think if you need a uh, you know a main blocking guy, I think he's the one you're going to go with, and I expect him to break out a bit this year. Um, but again, it, it's tough because I don't know how much we'll see of the tight ends in general. But uh, I like Mustafa kind of having a breakout year here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the uh, with Muhammad there. Yeah, I I think that's a fair shout out. I mean, with how highly rated he was coming out of high school. You would think that that's the type of guy who could see the field in his second full year yeah. on campus at Michigan. And if he doesn't get at least a little bit of playing time, it's like, hey. you know, the, It's getting the, early fast, right? It's getting yeah. early fast, and the depth chart is not that deep at tight end for the first time in forever. Right. Forever. I mean, yep. Ian Bunting's playing in the NFL now. You know, he, he was a Cal transfer. He transferred yep. to Cal, is now playing in the NFL in the preseason this year. Gentry had a, his first you know touchdown in his first game with the Steelers. By the way, he... He looks like he fits exactly what the Steelers need a tight end. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, he fits that role perfectly. Yeah, I was happy he got a touchdown on his first game. That, yeah. was, that was exciting. Definitely exciting. Just look, looks like he fits in there. Um, yeah. Okay, next question. Back to quarterback. Shea Patterson is going to have a much different offensive system to play in. Something he's more comfortable with. I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. However... He's probably gonna going to be throwing a lot more balls than he threw last year. I think we would agree. You know, whether it's short routes or, or long routes, he's just going to have the ball in his hands a lot more. With that being said, will Shea Patterson throw for more or fewer than seven interceptions in 2019? Seven being the number that he threw last year. So, so yeah. more or less than the number of interceptions from last year? I think you put that's definitely the appropriate line at seven. Because uh, I fought with this one quite a bit, I'm gonna say more. Um, he had what I think it was 22 touchdowns, I believe, last year, something around there. Um, I think he's going to have much more. Um, I, I'd say closer to 30, 35 touchdowns. I think he can get up there. I think by nature of the offense, the offense really lends itself to making the quarterback as important as possible. So he's experienced in the RPO, but he has so many decisions to make on almost every single play that all it takes are, and a lot of it is throws across the middle, right? Like that's your read. So if it's even not like a bad read, but just a a defender makes a nice play and it's a tip ball, um, you know, there's much greater chance for interceptions than I I think in 2018, just by nature of the offense. So I'm going to say like, if I were to choose a number, eight or nine interceptions yeah. w- with maybe like four of those being just like random tipped interceptions. So like five like bad decision interceptions and then like four or five more that are just by uh, just like almost like acceptable interceptions where it's just yeah. like, yep, that's just going to happen because we're throwing across the middle and we're focusing on the quarterback reading all the time here. So, so I'm going to say more, but it's not going to be uh, as impactful Um like, I think it's it's a an understood increase, given that the general output will still be better. So I think his quarterback rating could still even be higher despite having more picks. I agree. I think we both are on the same page with this. And I think it would be the natural choice to think that he's going to have more interceptions you know, with more pass attempts uh, this yeah. season. It does strike me, 
looking back, you, you know, Trace McSorley under Joe Moorhead and Gaddis learned from Joe Moorhead. Yeah. Penn State. I mean, he was just such a workhorse. Um, you know, then Tua and Jalen Hurts at Alabama, the focus was so totally on both of them. Yeah. Um, Shape Harrison so perfectly fits in as like the guy that you're going to focus your offense on. Thank goodness we have him in the quarterback room as compared to, you know, when we we're, when we were stuck with, I mean, bless him, but Will Spate and John O'Corn a few years ago, um, they just would not have matched the Gaddis system, you know, whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that, that's probably a reason that Harbaugh waited because he mentioned that he had been following Gaddis's career, right? And he was probably just waiting for a, the right time and be the right, uh, depth chart because it, it would have been a disaster right well, uh, if yeah if we're running it it just doesn't make sense well, it say, wouldn't make sense i think i think the beatdown that michigan suffered at the hands of penn state two years ago yeah i think that really opened harbaugh's eyes to the potential and I, I bet don brown was like hey this is an offense we need you know, yeah. to really look into as much as anything because um, right. you know you know i really think defensive minds make the best offensive, you know, uh, coaches a lot of times. You know, Josh Gass yeah. himself was a safety at Wake Forest right. during, during his college playing days. <clears throat> so, you know, obviously they just have the instinct to analyze the offenses. Yeah, and and I watched Gaddis's, uh Mich- University of Michigan put out some videos for different, like, coaching seminars or whatever, and Gaddis is definitely, uh, I think it's worth, worth watching, worth purchasing. It was like an hour and a half, and uh just the like everything made sense it seemed like there was an answer for everything and you're right it it all focused on making the defense reactionary um and yeah you could see how difficult it makes the defense's life it's just you're right don brown was probably having a nightmare during that game because he's like they have an answer for everything and yeah if you can't beat the system then you better acclimate to it because Otherwise, you're you're behind. Yeah, and I mean it's proven pretty successful. Um, yeah, you know I I'm excited. I'm so excited for Gas. Uh, I do think Shea will throw more interceptions as long as he keeps that number under eleven. I I would put the line you know for for being worried at eleven. Yeah. Because that means he's throwing multiple interceptions in in big games more than likely. Right. Right. Because there's a chance he throws two or three in the first two games. Yeah. Almost by nature, you know, just learning the system. Yep. Getting used to it against Middle Tennessee State and and uh and Army. <clears throat> I'll tell you what, when Al Borges was here, you know, we, we try not to remember that era. <laughs> but I remember being at the Akron game against Michigan. Oof. Um and it was the infamous weekend where we had a sky rider right at the University of Michigan. Oh my god. And then go to Michigan State, et cetera, et cetera. Paid by I Dave Brandon. <clears throat> but Devin Gardner threw like four interceptions yeah and just oh my gosh it was so bad it was early (laughs) season and it it was just like they were practicing and akron was actually playing yeah you you do worry about that there's a chance for quarterbacks numbers to either be significantly increased improved or significantly decreased by those early season games i i do think true freshman shea patterson might have thrown for like eight touchdowns as a true freshman for Ole miss against you know sisters of the poor couple years ago. Yeah. Might have to look that up. But I'm pretty sure his first game they dropped like eight, eight, nine passing touchdowns instead of record. Yeah. And he did. I, I went back and watched all of his games on, on uh, as old Miss quarterback. And he did struggle against, you know, the stronger programs, Alabama. Um, 
I think Mississippi State he struggled with as well. But there were a couple games where he threw two, three interceptions, and it's a similar RPO system. Now, a lot of those weren't really his fault, but uh, and they were clearly outmatched as a team overall. But, again, that's something that people will point to, and it's kind of the only data we have to go go with right now. So it's I'd say it's not necessarily a worry, but it's something to uh, keep in the back of your head. Definitely. Um that's that's an interesting line to be looking out for and you know, keep mind be mindful of as the season yeah. progresses. Yeah, exactly. Um okay, next one. We've only got we've only got uh three more main questions and we've got tiebreakers to to end the show with and and then we'll post the link again uh for you guys to follow along and and play along with um online. Okay, this question similar to questions about quarterbacks here. We're going to move to the backups here. Yep. Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton, will they combine for over or under 50 pass attempts in the 2019 season? Let me preface that by saying 2018, you know, it felt like McCaffrey was in for a lot of plays, a lot of games. They only combined for 19 pass attempts for the entirety of 2018. Right. I, I put the over under at 50 because I think that accounts for if Shea Patterson misses any time at all. But right. also it accounts for, you know, if we start smoking teams and we want to get them to have significant playing time against the Middle Tennessee States or Army or Rutgers. Right. <laughs> Those are the three, essentially. Um, what do you think? Over, under, 50 pass attempts combined for the 2019 season? I'm going to say over because a lot of the things that Michigan ran in 2018 didn't really require them to do all that many reps from the pass game. I think they should have done more because um, – I think it's always good to get your backups reps when you can, but you're right. A lot of the time that we saw Milton or McCaffrey in, they were handing the ball off to running backs. They weren't really doing it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was great. (laughs) Um, But I think there's so much value in getting them real game experience with uh, RPOs and really the heart of Gattis' system that you're going to see a ton more pass attempts. And like you said, by nature of, you know, I think we're going to be smoking teams more or getting at least getting ahead quicker because I feel like we only pulled away really in like late third quarter early fourth quarter that's kind of how the 2018 offense operated where it, it took time it to did, actually oh, pull I mean, away from re- teams. rewatching the SMU game yeah uh, and, and a couple other games similar to that where SMU I'm pretty sure was either seven to nothing or like we, we might have even been losing at the end of the first quarter yeah um it might have even been zero to zero, and it felt like nothing happened until halfway through the second quarter, and then Michigan just scored like seven touchdowns in a row. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. It, everything started off so slow. It's like we wasted a quarter. Well, yeah, it's just a slow offense, right? Like we always ran the play clock down to like three seconds. I think on average, we were one of the slowest teams uh, in, in terms <sighs> of yeah, in terms of snaps per. I don't even know what the metric is. Was that but... audible? Was that an audible side? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think over just because you need your backups to get acclimated to this new system. There's a lot of things in the past game that uh, real game reps in reading defenses like that are extremely valuable. And then on top of that, the offense lends itself to uh, create faster blowout situations for the backups. Definitely, and I think we need those reps. It, it, yeah. It'd be much welcomed if they each got you know quite a few attempts in, in hopefully the early games if we get blowouts. If 
if you were able to get ahead of army quickly 14 nothing that would be the best case scenario yes in, in yes. every way possible every way yes. possible um, absolutely I, I doubt it's gonna happen we've seen michigan play too many games to know to, to know anything different than than thinking <laughs> you it's, gonna, it's gonna be three to three at halftime oh god Just misery um Oh yeah. Are you are you are you are you predicting over over fifty as well then? Oh, it, um, I'm actually gonna go under fifty pass attempts. I think it's gonna be more in the forty range. I don't uh, thirty to forty. I, I just don't think they'll get enough reps. Primarily because we play Army in that second game. You know, okay. Army, the team that's you know infamous, famous for for being the slowest team of all time last yeah. year, who held the ball for literally forty eight of the sixty. Yeah. minutes against oklahoma i mean right. literally over three quarters worth of time in possession um, i need to watch that game again yeah i, I need mean, to watch I mean, that if you if you only watch the snaps you know snap to snap that game's over yeah. in like 10 minutes yeah <laughs> i mean like it's like five minutes um yeah yeah i mean just slowest game of all time so you know if we were playing a more traditional quote-unquote cupcake yeah. They, they might get a little bit more practice in, but really it's going to come down to the Rutgers game and the Middle Tennessee State game. And then trickery. That, one thing, though, is Gattis, you know, probably just fluff. You know, Harbaugh said they're going to reinvent the notion of a starting quarterback at Michigan. Yeah, I don't know what that means, right? I, like, I, I, well, I think it means that Dylan McCaffrey is going to play some slot. Oh, you know, get out. <laughs> I, I'm 100% serious because, I mean, his, he is athletic. I mean, it's not just that he's the brother of Christian McCaffrey. He's a legit athlete. I mean, like, athlete, athlete. We saw it running. He had breakaway speed. He had more breakaway speed than most of our running backs over the last two decades. He's like 6'4". He's 6'4". He's not going to be a wide receiver. That sounds like a wide receiver to me, 6'4". <laughs> crazy. I mean, I mean, I don't think it's going to be all the time. I think it's going to be situational. It's going to be gimmicky. Yeah. Okay, one thing you've got to think about. Who, who did Gaddis learn under? Gas learned under the biggest sleazeball in college football, but also the biggest gimmick guy in college football. Yeah. Um, James Franklin. Oh, slip yeah. my name for slip my head for a second. He learned under James Franklin. What does James Franklin do? Trickery. Like literally, James Franklin is known for just messing with people. Yeah. Different things. I yeah, I don't I don't I say it half facetiously that Dylan McCaffrey's gonna line up a wide receiver. But I do genuinely believe in in one or two games he's going to line up at wide receiver, and they're going to at least fake, or they might actually run some trick plays with him. You know, gain the ball, throwing it somewhere, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. I, I take that more as like, are they just going to like randomly sub them in just to keep them fresh, or is it going to be mainly like some weird dual QB setups, like you're saying? Well, I d- it's I, probably I do both, think, right? Yeah, I do think the gimmick thing will happen, and they will yeah. keep Shea fresh. I'm talking maybe over 50 past times. There's a really good chance it's over 50. I do think that's an appropriate line. Yeah, it is. More than double from last year. Yeah. Um, No, for sure is a good line. Yeah. Yeah, it's close. You could you could be ballsy and just say exactly 50. Exactly 50. Dude, I I would. We got to put like I would put money on that again. I'd give you like 20 to one odds. I'll tell you, I was in Vegas a few years ago, (laughs) and and me and my buddy each. it, It was August. I mean, yeah. my buddy each put $10 on the Lions win the Super Bowl. Because we're like, oh, oh yeah, man. we should have. And it was the year that Leicester won the Premier League in England. And we were there on the first day of the Premier League starting. And if we oh, had yeah. put $10 down on Leicester, this is infamous. 
They had, yeah. fi- they had five thousand to one odds of winning. Oh my god! I know, and we were there. We were there. And he chose the Lions. If, if we he would, chose the Lions. If we would have just picked, if we would have gone one slot over and just picked the last place Premier League yeah. team instead of the Lions, I would not be doing this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be here. Fair enough. I would not be doing I, I, it. I wouldn't blame you. That's right. Or or I'd be sounding a lot. Yeah, exactly. Pressure a lot, yes. lot better. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'd also be looking a lot nicer, but not, not a visual form, a media. <laughs> I'm picturing it. you with like a, a super fancy haircut. That's I just right. can't see it. That's I right. just can't see it. Not with that. Not with the lion's hat on. No. <laughs> Two things that do not go together. Fancy and lion's. <laughs> right. um, okay. Let's move on. I've got a few more questions here. We're going to knock them out. Bada bing, bada boom. Will the Michigan offensive line improve their record of sacks allowed per game from 2018? Last year, they had 1.8 sacks allowed per game. Will they improve on that? Will they have fewer than 1.8 sacks allowed per game? Or will they have a higher number, more than 1.8 sacks per game? Or exactly? What's your number there, Steven? I'm going fewer. I'm going fewer. Um, There's a lot of defensive ends that are really scary this year. So I think that's one factor. The other factor is Michigan's interior line is really, really strong. Everyone comes back. And... Uh, Michigan's tackles uh, have, I think it was Warner who shared a picture. They're looking yoked. They're uh, they got a lot. They got a lot of experience. Uh, T-shirt so time. Yeah. Right. That, so no, I, I think fewer, man. I, I think they got it. I think they got it. I got it down this year. This is the first year that like I haven't been able to keep myself from being optimistic about the offensive line. So I, I, I'm saying fewer than 1.8 sacks. There's a ve- there's a very specific time and place you had to be alive in to really appreciate Jersey Shore at its peak. <laughs> T-shirt time, being yoked. Very. I was a freshman in college during peak Jersey Shore. That's the perfect time. Different place in time, man. <laughs> Different place in time. These reunion shows don't don't quite give it the justice. Man. No, that, it, was, never. it was a phenomenon <laughs> on, a, on it, a whole different You'll never scale. see anything like it. You'll never see anything like it. Oh, man. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean... For me, the the sacks allowed per game is such an arbitrary stat. You know, I I That's picked true. I picked it because I wanted something to go with the offensive line. I'm I'm gonna say more than 1.8 eight sacks yeah. per game just because the number of plays hopefully increases, and we'll we'll go with that. But we'll see we'll see what happens. And and one one point eight is good. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty good figure. So totally. I I don't yeah I don't think it's a it's out of the question. There'd be more. Yeah, it was. Um, I looked up the stat, and I think they're rated like twenty seventh, ish. Yeah. Um, with, with that stat, which I mean, that's the top quarter of college football. Yeah, right? that's acceptable for yeah, sure. Definitely, definitely. Okay, last full question, and then we'll go to the tiebreakers. Against which teams, on the two thousand nineteen schedule, will Michigan score fifty or more points against? And there's okay. a list, and you can check the boxes off for whichever team you think. That includes the Big Ten championship game or postseason games, uh, you know, with an asterisk that could be multiple. That's fine. Or nobody. Nobody is also on the table. And you get one point for every team game you pick correctly, and you get negative one point for every incorrect pick. Okay. I want you – let's do something fun here. I want you to choose which teams I chose, and I'll give you the number of teams that I chose Okay, you, you want me to guess which teams you picked? Yes. Okay. I, I, 
I chose five teams that five I think teams. will score 50 plus points. For the record, Michigan only did it once last year, and that was against Nebraska. Yeah. It only happened once. Only happened once. Okay, so you definitely picked Middle Tennessee State. Yep. Okay, you definitely picked Rutgers. Yep. You definitely picked Illinois. Yes. You definitely picked Maryland. Yes. And you definitely picked Indiana. No. Michigan this was State. Gonna, Michigan no. State. You're no. going Ohio State, going big balls. No, no. <laughs> this is going to blow your mind. I think it's going to be Army. No, no. Let's, Dude. let's put money on this right now. Okay, I will. Okay, I will Venmo Let, you $10. Give me 30 seconds. 50 points. Give me, give me 30 seconds. It is... Army's defense is you need excellent athletes yes, against yes. Gaddis's against Gaddis's offense. You just you do, and they don't. And Michigan's offense is going to score quicker against Army than any other team. I think maybe maybe Middle Tennessee State, but yeah, I think it's just going to be a, an extremely efficient game against Army. I think it could go both ways. I think Army could score a bunch, but I. I don't know, man. Like, Don Brown has already played against an Air Force. So Don Brown has that experience against a service academy. I don't know, man. I could see it. I could see them just tearing apart Army with, you know, Army's whole philosophy is to minimize their ac- or athletic uh, inferiority. Or, whoa, that was a bad word. Uh, their athletic inferior, inferior. I'm not even going to attempt that. Their lack of athleticism there we go let's do that um there that's that's why they run that offense and i think their defense is going to show uh that that lack of athleticism against gaddis's offense okay let's see here all right for the record last season um they the most points they gave up in in any of the games they gave up okay they gave up 21 to hawaii 28 to Oklahoma, 28 points to Oklahoma, to Heisman nope. winning quarterback Oklahoma. <laughs> this is not good. To best <laughs> offense Oklahoma, right? They gave oh they did give up 30 to Miami of Ohio in a game in which they won. They gave they gave up 22 points to Eastern Michigan. They smoked Eastern. Yeah. They gave oh yeah okay total point totals from last season they gave up um, 34 to Duke okay 34 to Duke 14 to Liberty 21 to Hawaii. 28 Oklahoma, 13 to Buffalo. They smacked Buffalo. Yeah. They gave up three to San Jose State, 30 to Miami, 22 Eastern, 14 Air Force, 13 Lafayette, 14 Colgate, 10 Navy, and then they beat Houston 70 to 14. Yeah, they you just have to go sucked back. the life out of you, right? You ha- you have to go back to 2016 where Ooh. Notre Dame Notre Dame put up 44 points. 44. That's the closest. This is ballsy, man. I'm going with it. Okay. I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with my guns. Well, here's the thing: if if Michigan gets up 14 nothing in the first 10 minutes, yeah, then then I mean they could put up 80. You know, if Army decides they have to pass the ball at any point in yeah. time, right? I mean, good night, right? Okay, I'm gonna guess the number that you have, and which schools as well. Okay, yeah, bring it, bring it. You you chose three. I did. Okay. Okay. Uh, Middle Tennessee State. Yep. Rutgers. Yep. Uh, ooh, this last one. 
This last one's between Illinois and Maryland. I'm going to say Maryland. No, I picked Illinois. Illinois? Well, I'm not stupid. Well, I'm hey, stupid. man. stupid. With the latest drama going on with Maryland, I could see it. Good talking point there. There will be a lot of momentum. <laughs> I think one thing I realized in looking at this, I'm even inclined just to go two games. Scoring 50 points is yeah, really Yeah, that's hard. tough. It's, it's tough. It's really hard in college football. I mean, you do see some games which are absolutely crazy. I, I rewatched, so I worked for Dave Clawson at Bowling Green. So I, mm-hmm. have, I have a tie to Bowling Green. I tried to watch Wake Forest games with him as the head coach. Um, I rewatched Wake Forest Louisville yesterday, and it was like, 56 to 35 at the end of the third quarter. I mean, yeah. so so there are games and teams who are just terrible at right. defense. Rutgers would fall into that category. Middle Tennessee State, I don't know. If they're well coached, hold you know, holding a team to 50 even if you're under well or overwhelmed athletically. Yeah. Definitely doable. Right. Um I, I don't trust Rutgers or Illinois to do anything. Maryland I think is good enough. The end of October, you know, the quarter gets the harder it is to score. You know, in bunches, but it is the yeah. Gattis system. I guess that's right. another thing. You know, that's another thing to factor in. So I say three games. Those are my guesses. I think that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, mine mine is optimistic. I like very very so very we, optimistic. We know that against Iowa, they're either going to score seven points or sixty five. I don't think there's an in between there. Um, Iowa just kind of does that to teams. Um, okay, let's go to tiebreaker here, and then we'll, the web show up. Tiebreaker number one of the two tiebreakers. How many points per game will Michigan average in 2019? Ooh, to the first thir- decimal point. Yes, 31.8. Okay, 31.8. That's respectable. They they averaged 35.2 last year, which is pre- which is kind of amazing when you think about it. That's pretty nuts. That Michigan's pretty nuts. yeah, Michigan's schedule. I think Iowa's a bit tougher at Wisconsin at Penn State. Yeah. I, yeah, I th- I think it's I think you're gonna yeah. It seems it seems that's crazy. Thirty five point yeah, so, two. So what hurts really when you think about it is how, how many points it feels like Michigan left on the board last year. And yeah. at the same time how successful they actually were. Also yeah. when you think about though, they kept up with Ohio State until the until the last quarter. Fair. Yeah. But then Ohio State just kind of made it look it honestly, right. it looks worse than it really was because it was what a three-score game. I think yeah. it ended up being, but having sixty and thirty on the score, you know, scoreboard looks so much worse than anything else. Yeah. Um, but also, you have to take into consideration if there's any postseason going on, some multiple games that could drag down your points per game. Yeah, so multiple game. We wish there were multiple games. <laughs> I, I guess Big Ten championship plus bowl game counts. Yeah. Um, it is. It is interesting. Michigan actually was great on offense. They also had a ton more chances because of how good the defense was, which they should still, again, have a lot more chances. I'm going to say 39 points per game. Okay. Which actually gets very scarily close to 50. Which is making me rethink everything. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know anything. We don't know anything. Um, Okay, so 31.8 and 39.2. Are totally arbitrary. Yeah, we got some. We got a big spread there. That's why it's a tiebreaker. Okay, That's tiebreaker it. number two. How many points will Michigan score against Ohio State this year? Ooh. Revenge tour times yeah. nineteen. I'm gonna say thirty-eight. I think thirty-eight. I'll tell I you what. That... If if Harbaugh, <laughs> I I want to say fifty. Which, which I'd have to go back and rework some answers. <laughs> workshop some stuff. I'm going to say 48 points. I'm going to say okay. Harbaugh is going to go for two at the very end and not get it. 
And then they're going to get shtick for being like, Harbaugh's one in four. Why is he going for two points? (laughs) But I see it, baby. I see it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm predicting so much lower scores, but you're right. They just kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm predicting like more of a... uh, more of a defensive effort there. Well, one of the things we 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 <laughs> we lamented how slow paced Michigan's game started last year, yeah. but they did really just beat people up. And by the end of the games, they're just rolling over people. Yeah, you know, I mean, thirty five point two points per game is a ton. That's a ton yeah. of points. So yeah, we'll yeah, see. We'll that's see. a lot. I uh, I I'm actually, I think it's gonna blow my mind and blow a lot of Michigan fans' minds the collective mind of all fans seeing how fast Michigan comes out in game one. And also it's going to be a nightmare doing analysis because the great thing about Michigan running so slow is uh, you had a lot of replays, a lot of replays and not as many plays to go through. And now it's going to be a, uh, so yeah, I think I'm like conditioned to put it lower than it should, but I I, I'll, you know, I'll think it through. I got to go through some stuff. So I, (laughs) I, wanted this feeling from the Rich Rod era of like just yeah. loving the offense and being amazed. You, there are moments of that with Denard, but nothing that really made me be like, this is so explosive and so good. Right. You know, passing and running. The 2008-2009 Citrus Bowl against Florida, where yep. Mike DeBoer decided for one game and one game only, he's going to come out spread offense, Chad Henney. And they just dominated. That, that's the That's the type of feeling i want to get a pure bliss of like unexpected bliss watching yeah. gaddis's offense which i think is yeah. possible that's possible right. yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a shock to to everybody i think yeah i agree i agree all right we're we're running way long on this podcast yeah no Oof. worries I, I don't <laughs> i don't think any kids have cried in the background that's good. I, unless you've heard them, I can't hear them in my head no I, <laughs> I have not heard any i all think right. you're in the clear that's good we're in the clear all right well then, Stephen, we're gonna put this on Google Documents. You know, we're gonna post it on Twitter for people to see again. Sure. Uh, and we're gonna have people answer. We're gonna have fun with this and see where it goes. Uh, Stephen, thanks again for joining the podcast. You got anything to finish with here before we wrap things up? No, man. I uh, just want to say I uh, I represented Michigan in the uh, BTN Big Ten K today. So I uh, I gave some booze to some OSU fans today. So. As in, as in, as in, you booed them or gave them alcohol? No, booed, booed. booed. Yeah, okay. I, I booed them as I passed uh, any and all. Giving people uh, some booze could go one way or the other, my friend. <laughs> we luckily we were in a race, right? So I could just run away from them. So <laughs> that's right. So, so you know, it's not the season yet, but I'm, I'm doing my part. So I, I challenge anyone else. Uh, do your part. Well, go boo, go know, boo an OSU guy. A, a, a great way to beat. <laughs> someone in a marathon or, or a 5k yeah. is to hand them some booze when they think it's water you know, actually <laughs> chug some vodka there man, oh you man. got them beat man that you got sounds beat. terrible yeah. <laughs> giving them some booze i like that I like it. <laughs> all right well that's awesome you sound in shape good for you thanks man good for you yeah that yeah, was fun yeah all right so uh follow steven uh austin toski on twitter at steven toski you got it. Follow me on Twitter at David Arnold MI. Follow Garrett and MGOFish.com at MGOFish. Until next time, guys, uh, I'll talk to you there. Go blue. Go blue.